Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Forward Progress on this Monday, October 30th, post-week eight edition. We've got an action-packed show. We'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was, including all the impactful injuries, many at quarterback, and we're going to preview Monday Night Football as well as take a look at the market and how it's developing. If you're not already, please subscribe, hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the content. Also, smash the like button. It helps boost us in the algorithm. Of course, none of this would be possible without our sponsor, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Everyday competitive odds. Your trusted sports book. Bet smart. Bet Pinnacle. Must be 19 plus in Ontario. With that being your... That being said, I'm your host, George Sofidis, and I'm excited to get this show on the road. I'm joined on Mondays by Suma, pro sports better, creator on the Hammer Betting Network, and Cleve TA, plus EV better, cleveanalytics.com. And guys, I found my way into the chat comment. I didn't, I didn't know how to do this before, so I'm getting everybody riled up early and going. But let's start off with the Sunday night football game. Uh, the Chargers um, win 30-13. to 13. Uh, Suma, let's start with the Chargers. Herbert looked great. Do you think that was just a given because, you know, the Bears seem to be a get-right spot for any quarterback? Yeah, probably so, especially with the way that the Bears defense has been tackling. So, I mean, there were so many, like, screens and quick throws that turned into, like, much longer gains than uh, if if the defense was able to tackle. So, I think that... Yes, the Chargers offense looked much better and you couldn't really feel that they were, were missing Mike Williams and Gerald Everett and their starting center because I think that they had a very decent game plan where they got the Bears defense into space and then really benefited a lot from all those tackling issues. Uh, Cleve, um, if, unless you haven't been watching Chargers games, you'll notice that Justin Herbert has something going on with his middle finger on his non-throwing hand. He had two tough games against the Cowboys and Chiefs who have good defenses. Um, do you think that middle finger has been bothering him or just two bad games against two good defenses? That's all you can read into it. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think it's a combination of both, but I, I mean, it, it probably does take a little bit of getting used to uh, with that finger issue. And, you know, he's getting a little bit more comfortable. And I think Austin Eckler, uh, was was obviously coming back from injury um, uh, a couple games ago, and and even last week was limping around, so he didn't look healthy. But last night looked a lot better, especially in the screen game, uh, which he was kind of uh, you know Herbert's you know favorite security blanket the last couple of years. So I think all of those things, plus the the Bears defense just not being you know just not being capable of really stopping anybody. Um, you know they've they've benefited the last two weeks of playing. You know, outdoors in cold weather and in windy weather against uh, a backup in Brian Hoyer and against uh, a Cousins in uh, in windy, really windy weather. So maybe some of their numbers were masked a little bit. 
So I think a combination of all of that led to uh, Herbert performing well last night. And they had to. I mean, if that was – they lost that game. I think Brian, Brandon Staley would have been gone today. So it was a, a winner, a win or, or go home a game, and, and they stepped up to the plate. So good for them. Well, you know, the Chargers are going to rip off three wins in a row now, and we're all going to get excited about them until the next time they go down. Suma, um, are the Bears the worst team in the NFL with Bajent as their quarterback? Is there a team that they're not a dog to on a neutral field with him? Wow, very good question. Um, I mean, the way the Giants offense played yesterday might might make a case, even though they would probably not be dogs against um, the Bears. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of rough because I thought like there were a few decent shots that he took. The first one to Donald Mooney, and then they were not able to even stay in field goal range. So shot themselves in the foot. And then I think in the second half, when when there was pressure on Bajan, when he was forced to air it out, the mistakes compounded and Chadras were able to, to undercut some of the routes. I also thought that when he was throwing like um, to the far side of the field, a, a, a lot of these like out routes were not with a lot of zip. So I think that any quarterback with more arm talent would have had less interceptions yesterday. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we now have two data points, one against the Raiders with, a, with an A dot of two and a half or so where they had a very good mistake free game plan and it was enough to beat the Raiders and then yesterday against a, a Chargers offense that was able to score points they were suddenly severely limited on offense all right before we get into the rest of the takeaways uh we are going to have a discussion about how we approach trade deadline week who might be available who should be a seller who should be a buyer and if you guys see a, a trade that breaks just post it in the comments and we'll we'll have a live discussion about it uh let's start off with you cleve Bengals and 49ers uh i guess i just want to start with the Bengals offense did you get Bengals from last year vibes or what is, is it time to like start to uh massively bump up this Bengals offense again yeah you have to i mean that was i had uh you know the, the good thing with a lot less four o'clock games is you can i can put them all on one one tv in the uh, quad box of uh the youtube tv so i was able to watch every game at the same time and every time i looked up it was just burrow completing beautiful passes like i mean that was one of the more impressive performances from a quarterback just in terms of accuracy putting everything on the money every third down he just he the ball just never hit the ground uh, on his side of the ball so he was beyond impressive and so yeah, yeah, I think after the bye, getting T. Higgins back and him playing like that against, you know, supposedly one of the best defenses in the NFL, who knows, with with Steve Wilkes back there in, in San Francisco, what he's doing. But uh, it's still good good defense, and you would figure with that offensive line, it could have been susceptible to the pass rush, but he was on fire. And so now, yeah, you ha pretty much have to go back to your priors uh, coming into the season with with uh, Burrow in this offense because just what he what he did – Yesterday was as impressive as any quarterback I've seen, maybe all year. It was it was just unbelievable. So um, that that team uh, is definitely going to be a dangerous one here going forward, as long as they fix their defense, because their defense from for all that we are praising um, the Bengals' offense, they did you know they turned over Pur Purdy a couple of times with, with some bad interceptions, but otherwise, I mean, he had a sixty-two percent success rate uh, on offense, and in fact, the 
the Niners, uh, the Bengals were number one in success rate um, and the entire slate of 57%. And the Bengals are, or the Niners were number two at 53%. So it's not like they didn't move the ball. They just, they, they had a weird game plan of, they didn't give McCaffrey any rushes for whatever reason. They went away from him a lot, but when they threw the ball, if it wasn't an interception, it was guy, it was Ayuk or Kittle wide open. So yeah, the Bengals offense is back, but I still think that their defense uh, needs a little bit of work here. Uh, Suma, your um, BFF, uh, who I very much enjoy his interviews, thinks this Bengals defense is really good. I am very, very concerned about it. Um, how about San Francisco's defense? Uh, is there a concern there? They've been lit up two games in a row now. Uh, three losses in a row entering the bye. Uh, is San Fran's defense not this iron curtain that we thought it was? It's definitely a step below last year's version, I would argue, because A, they have some really glaring tackling issues that was not there uh, last year. And for whatever reason, their defensive line is not able to finish. I, I'm not an expert. I don't know whether that's something that you might be able to clean up scheme-wise with, I don't know, stunts, twists, and all that stuff, basically creating more space so that guys have... Um, um, better paths to, towards sex, but they are generating pressure, but they cannot finish. And if they cannot finish, their back seven is not that high quality that they probably can really stick towards tight coverage and create coverage sex. I, I don't think that the Niners defense is built like that. They're really built that their front seven can control the line of scrimmage. Uh, Fred Warner is probably the best linebacker in the game. But if they cannot control the line of scrimmage, if they cannot finish, their secondary can be exposed in games like these against um, good um, passing offenses. I, I still think it's a very good defense, but I think the, the tackling issue and the finishing issue up, up front, for whatever reason that is, uh, makes it one step below last year's ver version. Nick Bosa said something that flew under the radar last week, and I, I don't know, I don't want to read into it as discontent, but he said something along the lines of, we uh, we were able to get a lot of pressure uh, with four men last year, and I wonder if they're not uh, not adjusting well enough or don't like the defensive scheme that Steve Wilkes is dialing up, especially with blitzing. Uh, Crypto Don Juan says, hit the like button, and I agree, Crypto Don Juan. I think the people watching right now should hit the like button because we got a really juicy game and a takeaway and several things that came out of it. The Falcons and Titans, uh, I guess if you only... Uh, watch football for the purposes of fantasy will levis probably did really well for your team this week um cleave he was probably better than expected although he wasn't four touchdowns uh good or dominant or anything like that but you you brought up a interesting conversation in our chat before uh the show in the morning about how qb starting their first game it seems like the whole roster uh takes a bump up and we see this like this dynamic where everybody wants to play a little bit harder for this new QB. Uh, unpack that for us. Yeah. You know, obviously Will Levis came in, um, you know, hit a couple of really big plays. If you look at it, I mean, his down to down play to play success numbers are at bottom five amongst all quarterbacks yesterday, but he hit so many big plays that, you know, those are going to show up on the highlight film. And, you know, I admittedly only watched some of the game, uh, I did see um, his throws this morning. There was actually a couple of plays. There was one big drop that was about a 30-yard pass, wide open, 
Um, there was a couple really near, you know, close near misses on the sidelines. So he actually played better than I think some of the underlying numbers might might tell you. Uh, and his arm is really good. But, um, you know, in terms of his prospects, I, I'm just not sure going forward. But, yeah, I, I think that that, that raises a phenomenon because I think, um, you know, I, I don't know, Sumo, you might have had Atlanta. I know I had Atlanta uh, under the field goal. And I know some others did. And, you know, it's one of those things where we, you know, a lot of times these backup quarterbacks are coming in and people, you know, all the money's going up against them and, and the lines are moving and they come out. Not only do they cover, but they went outright. And it's been going on. I, I just thought anecdotally since COVID, um, the pandemic hit, because that was happening a lot where these, these starting quarterbacks would go out uh, testing positive and then backups would come in, the lines would shift five, six points, and those backups would not only cover, but they went outright. It was really frustrating if you're on the right side of the CLV. Uh, and so I, I just dug in a little bit in, uh, this morning to see, you know, hey, if I looked at just quarterbacks that, you know, are not, you know, first round picks that came in, you know, uh, who are expected to play like a Justin Herbert who came in week two a few years ago. I'm talking like uh, second round picks or, or, or higher, you know, or just pure backups, guys that were not expected to play that just are, are not the, you know, absolute starters in the NFL and were making their debuts um, in their first starts. I see that there was 27 quarterbacks since 2020 and they've gone 17, eight and two against the spread. Uh, 11, two and two against the spread since the beginning of last year, which is just incredible. The only loss this year was when DTR came in for, for Deshaun Watson. And that was, I mean, that was really a last minute thing. Like he didn't get the starter reps. It mm -hmm. was Sunday morning. People still thought Watson might play. So even if you excuse like the kind of uh, emergency, you know, start starter type of situation, you know, when a guy knows midweek or early in the week that he's going to play, these backup quarterbacks are just over over exceeding expectations. And I think, you know, you can't really quantify it, but I think it's a, a couple of things. One, maybe the market just over corrects. But then also, uh, as you mentioned, I think the team around them just steps up their play. They know that they've got a backup in there, that all the players have to, um, you know, make sure that they're, they're doing their job and doing it well, can't take plays off, all those sorts of things. They rally around the, the backup. You know, you get a lot of that. So, so play steps up. And then I just think the the opponents they don't have, usually don't have film at all maybe back from college days but you have nothing to really go off of um, from a schematic or, or film standpoint so it's tough to prepare and I think defenses just you know take a breather because they think oh the backups coming in we don't necessarily have to go all out I don't know it's I think it's a combination of everything but it's just a unique phenomenon that's been happening for three years now and we're probably going to get the uh, a similar situation this week with uh, uh, Jaron Hall potentially with the Vikings coming in and, and you know that's a that's a scary situation if you want to fade them just because we just uh, they just continually step up these backup quarterbacks so it's just something to keep an eye on and, and you know for me personally not to just jump right you know head, you know head first uh when when we think that a starter is going to be out maybe wait till the market overcorrects and, and go the other way you just know Vrabel gave an epic speech about rallying around your quarterback and next man up and got the troops ready but Suma uh Cleve talked about market overreacting to a first start but then people see a good start like this and and is it possible that the market now overreacts and says oh Le levis is actually a lot better than i thought and maybe there, there is a come down uh after this how do you read the situation guys just real quick we have a trade happening the giants are sending leonard williams to the seahawks whoa wow. leonard williams. Oh, yes. Oh, for a 2024 second round and a 2025 fifth, fifth round pick. 
Yeah, well, wow, that's pretty impressive. Seattle's defense, you know, it wasn't great yesterday, but they've been a lot better this year. Number yes. one against the run. So they, they get some interior pass rush help. That's huge. Yeah, that, that is big. Um, you think Giants are done selling there, Suma? I, I want to get the conversation started a little bit early and we'll revisit this Falcons Titans game. But um, do that do they have other attractive pieces? Like I know there's some teams that need a corner. A Dory Jackson might be a name that they put out there. Um, do, do you think the Giants are done selling in, in in any way, or is there anything left on the bone for people to want to pick at? Yeah, Dory Jackson is probably a good call because the, their young corner Deontay Banks is also already playing um, very decent. So um, yeah, I think that the Giants will be in sell mode. Like, and there is nothing left for them this season. Uh, yes, Daniel Jones is coming back, but. They just don't look like a team that's going to compete for a wild card spot later in um, January. So yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm I'm really surprised that the Seahawks are making this deal, but I'm not surprised that the Giants are are probably in sale mode right now. You know, when when uh, everybody and their mother was projecting Jalen Carter to the Seahawks in mock draft <laughs> season, it's because we looked at defensive tackle and you know there wasn't much talent there. Uh, I guess going out and uh, Trading for Leonard Williams, it's really a sign of intent that this Seahawks team believes they can make uh, a decent-sized run. Cleve, you are ahead of market. Like You like Seattle. You think there's some upside there. Uh, you like this move to go all in? Yeah, I mean, why not? I I, I think that they're a little bit better than market. You know, again, Geno Smith is not playing as well as he was early in, uh, as he was last year. You know, in key, in some spots, though, he has, you know, at Detroit, he was awesome. So there are times even in that last drive against the Browns, he's made a bunch of plays, but they're not they're not far off. I mean, I think there's enough pieces there. Look, they've got young talent. They've got like young corners. Um, obviously, you know Walker and Charbonnet at receiver. You know JSN at, 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 at receiver or running back and JSN at receiver. So they got the the two young tackles. So they're already a young team. They don't necessarily need a ton of draft picks per se uh, this season. It's just more about you know, hey, let's fill it in with some veterans. And you're not giving up. The thing about the NFL, which is interesting, is because of the salary cap uh, constraints, you don't need to trade much in terms of draft capital for these veterans. You can get good players for mid-round picks. You know, Leonard Williams is a little bit unique because he's younger than most that get traded. But a second and a fourth isn't the end of the world, you're, and, and he's under contract. So he's going to be there for a while. He's a nice piece inside. And, you know, they lost um, Owuso, is it Owuso, their yeah. defensive end. Didn't yeah. play yesterday, so you know they got Boy Mafe, who, who's who's played well, but they don't really have a ton of pass rush up. That's the one thing they're missing is is getting pressure on the quarterback, and so uh, I think it's a good trade. And I think Seattle is you know with San Francisco struggling, they probably think they got a shot at the division. And you've got the Rams, obviously now with maybe Stafford out. You know I I like Dallas and Philly, but they're not overwhelming. And you know Detroit, they've already beat Detroit, so why can't they win the NFC? I, I mentioned I think a week or two ago that they're you know, definitely a dark horse to, to win the NFC and, and, you know, go to the Super Bowl as long as Gino, um, you know, settles down with some of these mistakes. But I, I think they definitely have the talent to get there. Beat Gamer 99 says Saquon available. And I'm just thinking it's going to be wild when Leonard Williams tackles Saquon Barkley in the hole this weekend, like from teammates to opponents all in one, uh, all in one week. Uh, let's go back to the Falcons Titans, Suma. Um, yeah. Arthur Smith was at a news presser today. He's discussing his decision to stay with Heineke, even though Desmond Ritter cleared the concussion protocol. He said he was thinking of Ritter's health and erred on the side of caution. But when a reporter asked a follow-up question, if Desmond Ritter is cleared and healthy this week, is he starting? 
Um, Jason, pull this up. This is how Arthur Smith responded. I gotta see where he's at. So that's 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 all the best I can give you. I gotta see where he's at. I can see if that's the best thing for his team this week. Uh, obviously, it's not something we can turn long term. We've done a lot of good things, but we gotta find a way to win this game. So whether you know, it's Taylor, that's what we'll do. But my concern is Dez, and obviously long term. Got back out there. I don't think he's ready. And sometimes it has nothing to do with just medically, everything else. Yeah, All right. Just, so, uh, he sounded very uh, non-committal there on on who his quarterback is. He's promised us Wednesday we'll know who the starter is. I I, I almost think this is the perfect situation where you don't want to bench Ritter because you'll kill his confidence. But if you can use health and precaution as an excuse to give Heineke a one-game audition, uh, do you think that we might get Tyler Taylor Heineke this weekend? I think it's a real chance because you just got to watch the, the second half. I mean, that offense was night and day with Heineke in there. And it was not a game state where they were chasing like three scores or something. They they were pretty much in the game, like one or two scores up until late in the fourth quarter. And Heineke made a lot of more, uh, a, a lot more tough throws down the field, throws more accuracy didn't really was or wasn't that frantic in the pocket like Ritter. And he also also had a better sense of pressure arriving. So, yeah, I mean, when when the Falcons signed Heineken in the offseason, like everyone knew, okay, they will try Ritter, but if it doesn't work out, Heineken is like the perfect backup quarterback. And now he seems like the perfect backup quarterback. I mean, throw him in there, that 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 offense will work. Defense is fine. They have a very easy schedule. They can easily make the the playoffs with Heineke under center. So why not throw out Heineke there and save your season? I mean, it, to be fair, it's also the third season of Arthur Smith. So another season with, with bad quarterback play, no playoffs, won't taste very well. Well, Cleve. Uh... Probably Ritter's not the long-term answer and neither is Heineke and maybe Heineke is the better short-term answer and they probably want to win this division. It's very winnable this year. Uh, I don't know about you, but my radar's up that I think that Heineke's going to get a start here under the guise of protecting Ritter's long-term health concerns. Cleve, what say you? Yeah, absolutely. And to me, uh, Heineke is definitely an upgrade. I don't think it's even close. You know, I, I think he's one of those guys I loved last last year backing uh, with Washington. Like he gets these four or five game stretches where, you know, especially as an underdog, the market really doesn't think much of him. And, and he just is always keeps his team in, in the game and, you know, doesn't make a ton of mistakes and maybe got lucky with some dropped interceptions last year. But he does. He makes just enough plays that, you know, he, he keeps you in it. Whereas just Ritter, I, I don't know. I know he can he can move a little bit, but he's so hesitant to throw the ball down the field that, um, you know, he misses out on some big plays. I mean, even if you just looked at uh, just high level, like EPA per play and success rates since the beginning of last year, it's, you know, Heineke is like 10, 12 spots higher um, out of qualified, out of uh, 56 qualified quarterbacks. So, you know, he's, to me, he's probably a, a half a point to a point upgrade uh, in my opinion. Uh, I'd much rather lay four or three and a half with Heineke than I ever would with Ritter. Um, because at least I know Heineke is going to try to throw the ball <laughs> down the field and he's going to try to take a little more, uh, some more chances. 
uh, than somebody like Ritter would. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see what it will look like, you know, with with Heineke in there. And I do think that he will get the start. I don't I don't see any reason to go back. You already know what you have with Ritter. You could always go back to him, you know, just give him the week off and, and see what happens here against a, a blitz heavy Minnesota defense, which, by the way, Heineke, if you look at some of his numbers last year, he was pretty solid against the blitz. Like he's he's not bad. Um, when, when you put, when you bring extra pressure. So I uh, would love to see what he's going to do this week. All right. Let's talk about chiefs Broncos. Our last takeaway before we start thinking forward um, Suma are the Broncos quietly getting better. This isn't the same defense that gave up 70 to Miami. Yes, absolutely. And um, I think I saw the tweet earlier today. So there were, I think six or seven personal changes since that, game against um, Miami, um, Fabian Moreau, who they signed, um, Browning's back, Nick Bonito is playing quite well. Um, they got some guys back from injury, like, like I, I think Justin Simmons was also out against Miami. So yes, they are playing better, but to be honest, I think it's more like natural regression rather than them really play or really doing a lot of things differently. Um, I think in the in the first Chiefs game, Chiefs were moving the ball very easily down the field, and then had the had a couple of um, bad uh, third and sh short misses. In, uh, I think two fumbles deep in Broncos territory yesterday. I don't know whether it was the flu, but it was not like the the Broncos defense was outperforming expectation. I I thought it was more like Mahomes having his worst uh, career game ever. Uh, don't know whether it was the flu. Really, no clue. Might have been the combination of flu and uh, cold weather. Absolutely no clue. But it, I think it was obvious that something was off with the team yesterday. And I didn't feel like it was because the Broncos defense was so incredibly well. Um, I think their defense, yes, they are playing better than against Miami, which was a historically bad performance. But I'm I'm not uh, I would not go so far ranking them um, above average or something. Are you trying to tell me that there was something different? That maybe there was someone missing uh, from the crowd that perhaps could have inspired a comeback performance? Is that what you're alluding to, Suma? I can't figure it out. Are you talking? Maybe to maybe it's not just Tumlin voodoo magic. Maybe it's also Taylor uh, voodoo magic. Cleve, uh, I'm going to give you a scale. I just want a 0 to 10 answer, okay? Is the Chiefs offense a concern yet, or do you just chalk it up to the flu? So 10 is, we got to go get a, a freaking receiver here from Mahomes, and 0 is, no, they're fine. Uh, he just had a flu, and it was just an off day. Where, where, where's your level of concern on the Chiefs offense? Well, just the Chiefs in general, I'm not concerned. Again, I don't, I, I've talked about this before. I don't change any sort of ratings or opinions from game to game on any of these teams. Cause I know that there are clunkers here and there, uh, there are outlier performances and unless there's a fundamental issue or difference in a team. I don't really, it doesn't really, to me, it's just one game. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. And again, all those things, the, the flu issue, um, you know, Travis Kelsey play, going to the world series on Friday night and flying, flying, uh, flying back. Who knows if that had something to do with it. Um, and again, we talked about this, I think in our chat, uh, teams that ahead of a, a overseas trip to Europe are only covering it like a 38% clip. Like they are really underperforming uh, over the last 20 years since, you know, teams started going to, to London and Germany. And so it didn't surprise me that they underperformed here. Um, it was just like one of those where eh, we just beat this team. 
maybe don't use all of our great plays. Guys are sick. It's just all of that combined. And I do think the Denver defense, by the way, is a lot better. Again, not top 10 level, but I think they're in kind of the 18 to 22 range instead of being historically bad. And they got Browning back and Cooper back on the edge. You know, DJ Jones up the middle. They got Josie Jewell back. And another thing they did is they they pushed out Damari Mathis as the number two corner, who's literally the worst cornerback in the NFL by any metric. I mean, he just has been getting destroyed all year. And so, you know, Moreau, who's not great, he's at least serviceable. You know, all those little things, I think, combined uh, led to that. I think for the Kansas City, I think they do need a receiver. I, I just tweeted about, jokingly, Mike Evans to uh, to the Chiefs would be so much fun because they just need that reliable guy. I know that they've been kind of working on a, a committee the last couple of years, and it's it's worked to some extent. But I just think that if they could just get that one guy that, you know, outside of Kelsey that teams can't totally um, game plan to stop, uh, it could be reliable. I think a guy like that would be great. I'm not sure if they'll do it, but – um, you, you know, if you're going to trade for somebody, stop trading or, or picking up these kind of uh, mid, mid, uh, kind of middle tier type uh, receivers who, who aren't, um, you know, capable of playing outside from down to down. I think Rasheed Rice is fine, but if you could put a, a stick of Mike Evans out there, um, that would be awesome. I, I think with Mahomes, you're always going to be fine. Um, it's just more of like nitpicking, like who, uh, if you get Mike Evans to me, you just solidify, uh, solidify going to the Super Bowl again. Well, yeah, that's that was why I was alluding to this scale because I don't believe it's a zero. I believe there is some concern uh, receiver-wise. The Chiefs' offense hasn't felt great all year. Michael R. Kellyan says Mahomes' wide receivers create zero separation. Mass says fundamental issue of double Kelsey and force guys that can't catch to beat you. So let's let's dive tail into our trade deadline discussion. And before we do, please, if you are enjoying this content and you haven't done it yet, smash the like button. Suma. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Devontae Adams, uh, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans. There's some interesting names out there. Um, who of those receivers do you think is the most likely to get moved? And do you think the Chiefs are the team that's going to make an aggressive move? And if they don't, should they be the one? Uh, damn, I was muted. Um, so I, I think Jerry Judy is a very good trade candidate because you can sell the a um, rookie contract on top of it and teams can negotiate a, a new one of, with him. Um, Panthers probably looking for a, for a right receiver. That might be a great fit. Um, yeah, I mean, Mike Evans, I mean, I think at least to us, it's, it's pretty obvious that the Bucks aren't going anywhere this year. So um, there's, I think, no reason to not let Mike Evans go to a contender. I really like the idea of, of TA um, that uh, it could be Mahomes throwing the ball to Mike Evans for one and a half more years would be interesting. Um, Chase Young is probably going to be um, on the hot seat. Young or Montesweat, I don't think that both will, will stay at Washington. I think the Chiefs have to do something, but I also am not really concerned because Going into the week, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I had him second in EPA per play. Um, he had some bad turnover like early in the season, like that uh, tip pick six against the Lions in week one when you strip out that kind of stuff, which is not really predictive, especially for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. He was basically up there with his casual um, elite MVP numbers. So not overly concerned. I think, yes, getting another stat or at least competent receiver will make this offense less fragile going forward. 
So might be a good idea to maybe just try what you can get there. I mean, can I interest you guys with Hunter Hunter Renfro, for example? I mean, Renfro. Send him to Buffalo. Well, he should be should be in Buffalo. That is the um, he is the the uh, Cole Beasley replacement. Yes, like, that would be Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cleve, how do you approach uh, betting this week uh, with trade deadline looming? Uh, do you wait specifically on teams that have been rumored sellers or buyers? Well, first, I, I made a mistake. I said Leonard Williams is signed long term, and but it's only this is the end of his contract. So mm. they traded a second and a fourth for a rental, which is interesting. Um, uh, how do I approach this? I mean, I did for a second think um, I was thinking about taking the Patriots at two and a half over Washington purely because. I just assumed that uh, the, the Washington would be trading, you know, guys like Sweat or Payne or, or Chase Young off of their roster. They, I did see those reports that if they lost yesterday, they would be sellers. And so, you know, getting ahead of something like that would have been interesting. The fact that, you know, Kendrick Bourne goes down with a torn ACL and he's their only receiver that I would ever like have an interest in. I mean, he's the only one who creates separation, who makes all their plays. So, you know that that kind of kept me off of uh, kept me off of it, but that would be one scenario where I would consider maybe fading a team like that. Maybe like a Carolina, if you think Brian Burns is going to be traded, you you back a, a team like the Colts on the road. Um, but even then, the Colts might who know Colts could trade DeForest Buckner. I don't know. You know, like there there's there's situations that that where both teams have have the opportunity to make trades. I personally am just sitting it out. A combination of just not knowing with the deadline and then these backup quarterbacks, the injury reports and you know the long-standing chat that we've had, um, you know, uh, with our with our Slack in terms of like just getting early early week CLV hasn't really mattered at all <laughs> when it comes down to it. And it's is it really worth giving up the um, the rest of the week information um, and potential injuries that pop up out of nowhere? Is that worth getting in early? And it just doesn't seem to be. So it's a combination of of those things that have left me out. Like I said, if you have a, a strong suspicion that uh, you know a, a team is going to be trading some key pieces, then yeah, you could fade them early. Um, but I just haven't done that. I wonder if uh, what kind of rebate I can get from my bookie for taking the Patriots ten and a half and it closing seven and a half. I, I'd love to cash in those three points of CLV. Uh, Suma, who's the biggest name that's going to get moved at this deadline? Do you think it's Leonard Williams? Do you think it's a guy like Chase Young? Uh, or Montez Sweat, or do you think Daniil Hunter, or maybe one of those receivers we talked about? I think Jalen Johnson might be underrated because there are some teams, especially in the other conference, mm. like I think the Ravens could use another corner. I think the Bills are in desperate need of another corner. I mean, even the Bengals, we talked about it, their, their defense is not good at all. They need a they safety. Somehow... Can we get them a safety? <laughs> We can get him as safety and uh, put Dex Hill full time in the slot or something. Um, but I, I, I think Jalen Johnson, he's looking for a new contract and probably might be a good idea for the Bears who will have a shit of draft picks next April to, to get some more assets um, to, to maybe go up for a quarterback and um, trade Jalen Johnson. I mean, Jalen Johnson is, is, a, is, is a decent cornerback, but he, but having him. Or not having him will not make a huge difference for the best this season. So maybe get some draft capital. Let let a different team give him a, a decent market size contract. And um, yeah, I mean, Bills could really could really need a guy like Jalen Johnson. 
I um I I'm not as tapped into the Cardinals organization as Cleve is, but I I think Buda Baker and Hollywood Brown could be two interesting trade candidates to come out of there. Uh, you talked about you know Bengals needing a safety, uh, and you talk about the Chiefs needing a receiver. Hollywood Brown kind of fits uh, uh the Chiefs model uh in what they look for in a receiver. Cleve, do you have a biggest name you think will get moved at the deadline, or did we already see it with Leonard Williams? I think Brian Burns and Mike Evans would be the two biggest names. Um, you know, I think those two have a real shot um, just because of their contract situation and the team's not going anywhere. I, an underrated name um, that no one will talk about is Josh Uche from the Patriots. Mm. I heard some rumblings. He's a really good um, kind of under-the-radar pass rusher. No one really talks about him. He had 12 sacks last year, ton of pressures. He was one of the higher-graded PFF um, edge rushers this year. Again, good good pressure rates. Not he's more of a situational guy. He's been hurt, but that's a guy. If he's healthy, if, you know, I know he's on. The, he missed the game yesterday. Who knows if that was uh, to protect him from a trade or not? But if he's able to go, that's a guy that you could probably get for kind of a, a bargain. And you wouldn't, you know, instead of a guy like um, pay or a guy like Sweat or Young or Brian Burns, that I think uh, could get you what you need, and you won't have to pay a lot for. So that's a guy under the radar. You know, talked about cornerback. I mean, I think the Lions could use a cornerback. We'll see tonight. But, you know, they're a team that, you know, if a Jalen Johnson's available, I don't know if they'll trade in division. But I, I mentioned, you know, again, a guy like Dante Jackson, who's just, you know, he's fine for, for a Carolina as a veteran. Like just somebody who you can at least stick out there and, and not worry about too much uh, is somebody that that I think could, could be a move. But I, I think that there's going to be some interesting names. I mean, we're starting to see more and more trades occur. A lot of like, you know, uh, we'll trade you this this veteran and a seventh round pick for your sixth round pick type of swaps. Like we see that yeah. a lot. It's something that uh, you know the analytics folks love. Um, you know Andrew Barry and the Browns have done a lot of that, where you kind of move up um, from one round to the next, uh, or move down one round um, with a tradable player. So we might see a handful of those. I mean, a guy like Darius Slayton. That's another thing. Like the Chiefs, I could see taking a shot at Darius Slayton, right? Like uh, I, somebody in the chat put Chiefs signed Sammy Watkins, which made me chuckle. <laughs> Cause it's so true. Like that's who, that's what they do. They, they just keep going after these kind of either washed up receivers or just mid receivers that, that no one wants and, and think that they stick them with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they'll be fine. Like the Richie James of the world. It's, it's, it's funny. So somebody like that, I, I think there could be a handful of names that we don't expect there. I will say I was looking through the teams. There's not as many sellers as I thought. There's so many teams that are bunched up. There's not as many kind of completely out of it that are, that are, you know, looking to tank type of, uh, teams like the bears uh, probably at the top of the list, but there's not many of those out there. So I'll be curious to see who really is trying to win, you know, and who is, who's, um, you know, sticking with it. Like are the Titans going to trade Deandre Hopkins um, now that they've got potentially their quarterback of the future and they want to see, Hey, maybe we want to keep Hopkins for the rest of the year to see if, you know, yeah. how good Will Levis is. We don't want to trade all of our receivers and have them, you know, throwing to nobody. So you, it's interesting to see how, how teams will react to, to stuff like that. Yeah, uh, Fries is excited for this trade deadline. I think we're all excited. If you are also excited and you haven't yet, please hit the like button. Let's look at forward-looking games, and let's start off with uh, the the game of the week that's at 9.30 uh, a.m. if you're in the Eastern time zone, Dolphins and Chiefs. I love how literal um, German writing is. I My uh, banner name is Dolphins in the best team in German, which is pretty, you don't have to know German to understand. Please it. do it again. <laughs> no, Sumo, why don't you tell me the, the correct way to say what I just did? Delfine sind das beste team. 
Yeah, they are the best team. Uh, Javon Holland is in concussion protocol. It looks like he's getting a little bit better. Xavier Howard, I think they've been holding him out for this game. Um, for the Chiefs, not much other than Willie Gay, uh, which is maybe notable because they've also lost Nick Bolton for a while. Um, let's start off with you, Suma. This is the third time the Dolphins step up in competition, and we're seeing a line under three. Um, this time it's on a neutral as opposed to being on the road. Um, uh, is it as simple as, uh, dolphins are not as good as they are. And anytime I can get a, a really good team under the three, I have to, or, or is this game a, got a little bit more pause for you? Uh, tough, tough handicap. I, I would argue because I think that the linebacking group from, from KC might get exposed in this game. Um, the chiefs defense has been playing really, really well, but I need to go through their schedule. I don't think they have played, or I don't think they needed to match the speed of Jen Waddle and Tyreek uh, anywhere close so far. So I think this might be the week where the Dolphins uh, are going to have some success. But on the other side, I think it's also a crazy uh, bounce back type of spot for the Chiefs' offense. Uh, I would expect um, that they come out with their A plus game. It's a very important game for, for playoff seeding. Um, I think Mahomes is also very good when under a field goal. Uh yeah. on the four against the spread. Less than a and also and also 16-3 straight up, winning by 10 points per game after yeah. a loss. So um some uh, trends going for them here. Um, but yeah, I mean it's going to be a great matchup. And I also laughed just from a football entertaining perspective that Terran Armstead is going to be back. Connor Williams will likely be back in the starting formation. So the Dolphins should be extremely healthy in this one. And the Chiefs are just, just looking at uh, injuries at linebacker. So it could be a, a game where both sides are going to be somewhat healthy. Cleve, uh, you walk up to a well, you pull up the bucket, and there's uh, you know a stack of money in it. And then the next day, you walk up to that well, and you lift up a bucket, and there's a stack of money in it. Uh, you take you took the Buffalo Bills under three against Miami two and a half. You took Philadelphia in the same spot. Cleve, um, are you going back to that well one more time to find a stack of money? Uh, Dolphins uh, are uh, the Chiefs are under a field goal uh, favorite against the Dolphins. Are you tempted by this, or is this one a little different? You know, I'm tempted, but it's a little different because those uh, the Bills and the Eagles had front fours that can get pressure without blitzing. And we know that Kansas City needs to blitz. Spagnola can't help himself. And, you know, then you leave your, your corners on an island against those receivers. That that, that would scare me um, just from a stylistic standpoint. But again, as Suma mentioned, 15-4 and four, uh, against the spread for Mahomes in his career when you're laying less than a field goal or a dog. And it just it just makes sense. Like, you just – like, all I really need is, is Mahomes to win. Like, that seems very tempting – um, you know, the handicap can't be that simple, but you know, sometimes it is, I don't know. I haven't made a decision. I, I do think that there are some lingering effects from, you know, if you had the flu or COVID or whatever he had, he didn't look good. He didn't look right yesterday. You know, they played cold weather. Now you got to fly across the country or across the country. You got to fly overseas from Denver. Um, I, I think, are they going early? I believe they're going, are they going early or late? One of the teams is going early. One of the teams is going late. I don't remember which one. Uh, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs are going like uh, I think Thursday, and they'll practice Friday, Saturday. There, Dolphins are oh. taking off right away. Okay, so I actually like right. the Miami. See that that I like the Miami situation. Um, 
you know, kind of like the Ravens did uh, when they went overseas. I think going early, it doesn't, I don't understand. Like, I don't think there's a negative to going early. I think it's way more risky to go late. Uh, I'm not sure why you would wait, but it is what it is. So, so we'll see. I mean, there, there could be some lingering effects and who knows, like, let's say Mahomes so sick and he got worse that today and tomorrow, he's just kind of resting up. Like, they, you never know the recovery and that stuff is impossible to quantify. But just in terms of stylistically, like I said, I, I like the Philly and the Buffalo matchup just because I thought the D lines could get pressure without blitzing. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, Chris Jones, um, you know, maybe Carl Aftis. You know, it, we'll see. It, it'll be a tight one. Um, to me personally, it's either Kansas City or pass if you ask me today. But it doesn't mean I'm taking Kansas City yet. So um, so I'll just kind of sit and wait and uh, run through some of the some of the numbers. And, you know, see also see what the Kansas City or what the, the Miami uh, – Injury report looks like so on the O line. You'll know better than me. So Armstead's definitely out, right? Um, well, he's what, eligible. What we have he's eligible. We don't know. Connor Williams was active, did not play. I think they held him out for this game. Robert Hunt came out and would have played. I think if we didn't have a, a lead in the second half, and Kendrick Lamb returned at halftime and played after that. Uh, I guess the only real question is Armstead. Um, Armstead is traveling to Germany, so I think it. If there's no chance that he could play, he would stay there. So yeah, right. this, this is a very encouraging sign. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to make the difference too, right? So just seeing what the injury report looks like, I think. I think this, I mean, what do you think, Suma? Does, does it get the three? Are we at two and a half right now? Pretty steady. Um, uh, if you ask me, gun to my head, I would probably lean towards it's rather going to two than to three. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have watched the movie Titanic. Suma, have you seen the movie Titanic? Uh, ten times. Cleve, how about yourself? I have not. I have not seen it. Uh, right. It's been a long time. I've not seen it. No. You you have to do that if you can find uh, three and a half hours of your day. Do it. There's a scene in the beginning of the movie where Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio's character wins a poker hand. And he's got five minutes to board the Titanic before he, he leaves. He wins his ticket. This is it. This is the last time Tua Tagovailoa is going to be uh, not the favorite to win the MVP award. Because after Miami, <laughs> after Miami shows the world how good we are on Sunday morning, this is it. It's over. The, the train is leaving the station. Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the MVP of the year after we beat the chief. So that if you want to, if you want to jinx it, why don't you offer more money to, to, <laughs> to, uh, to some of the, the followers and we'll, <laughs> <laughs> if the Dolphins win, I might be broke by the time I might show up with face paint. If the Dolphins win and do the whole show, uh, next Monday with face paint. All right, let's, let's move on to the Vikings and Falcons just quickly. Um, Suma, what is Kirk cousins worth to the spread? <laughs> and it's very hard to quantify because we don't know much about Jaron Hall. Yes, that's the issue. I would argue it's a lot because Cousins has been, I would argue it's his best season ever so far, just the way that he's playing and elevating the, the whole offense uh, in terms of EPA per play. I had him fifth going into the week, and uh, I would be shocked if that's uh, worse after after that uh, Packers game. Um, also, from a grading perspective, he's top seven, top eight. So he really was having a nice season. And I thought it's incredibly sad for us football viewers because the Vikings 
they really had the chance to go on a one and as, at least make the the the, the wildcard here because their offense was clicking offensive line was was holding up very well jj was coming back in in a, in a few weeks and what's also interesting about them is that their defense is completely outperforming expectations i mean brian flowers is doing a a very good job and this team is better than last year's version but it's just that the record is different because they had a lot of luck going for them last year and not so much this year so that's that's really the the difference i think they they were a better team than last year and it's it's very sad to to see a good quarterback go down like this well that's part of the reason i can't get to this number with Atlanta five and maybe it goes out a little further because Minnesota has a good O-line and good weapons and I like their defense this year it's playing at, a, at an average level uh Cleve um if you were interested in a team like Atlanta do you think a guy like Heineke is worth uh, a spread bump I don't know if the market will uh realize that but I, I think he's worth at least half a point to a point on a bump would you uh would you be feel a lot more confident that Atlanta is going to win if it's Heineke at quarterback yeah, I mentioned earlier, I, I, I have him almost a point higher than, than Ritter. Uh, but again, we're, we're running the same situation I, I talked about before with the backup quarterbacks. I mean, Jaron Hall, nobody knows anything about him. Um, you know, fading him seems smart, but God, these guys always step up. I will say what I know of Jaron Hall is he's, he's a rookie out of BYU. He's highly athletic. He, he had one of the highest relative athletic scores. I think he ran like a 4 six forty. I remember in preseason again because I'm a I'm a nerd and I watch all preseason games and I bet on preseason. He was awful throwing the ball like her, like horrendous. I think he completed about 50 percent of his passes and, and he played the entire preseason, but he ran a lot. And at least if I'm gonna back a backup quarterback like this, someone who's got some legs who can make plays, who doesn't mm -hmm. you know maybe has one read and then takes off and you know they tell him like just don't turn it over. Uh, and then you just hope that the Minnesota defense keeps, you know, the Atlanta offense, no matter who's quarterback is, is got a, is got a ceiling, right? Like they're likely not scoring 30 points. They don't even want to. I think Arthur Smith just wants to keep games low scoring, keep it tight and run it as much as possible. And the Minnesota defense is top, what top five or eight in, uh, in rush defense. Like they're playing really well. So I, I think, they could keep this game low scoring enough to keep it competitive. And then you hope a guy like Hall, they just tell, yeah, one read and then just take off. Don't, don't even like risk it. Uh, so I, I would say like, I would be hesitant to lay the points just because of what I've seen historically and, and some of those other factors. But I, I, I just don't know. Like I hate having no information and just guessing yeah. the quarterback. That's why it makes me mad that I backed uh, the Falcons. <laughs> uh, I thought I was getting a good number. I thought it would close like three, three and a half and I just get a nice little number but it didn't even close three, right? It closed two and a half or two. And so you know, the market was smart to, to back uh, Will Levis there. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure how to handicap uh, someone like Hall. Suma, Grady Jarrett's uh, done for the season for Atlanta. The Titans had some success running the ball, which I thought the Falcons had been a pretty underrated defense this year. Is is that a big injury that that's worth um, keeping on your radar? Or is it just, you know, a defensive tackle? Not that doesn't do anything for the spread. Nothing to consider. It doesn't do a lot for the spread, but I think it might too for their defense going forward because their run defense has been better than their pass defense. They were giving up a, a few big plays already before that Will Levis game. And I think if you take away um, some of the pass rushing pre presence on the interior, 
Calais Campbell might um, be playing a, a little bit more inside now. So I just think that it might have a domino effect on that defensive line. And they might also be in the market for a, another defensive lineman, for instance, because they are a little bit thin along um, at edge. And if you maybe get another, I don't know, edge guy like know, Chase Young, maybe Josh Uchi, and then Calais Campbell can play more inside and uh, Uche rushing the passer, maybe some trade like this. But I feel like the Falcons defense, they have been playing better than last year, but they cannot lose pass rushing guys <laughs> all right let's uh sunday we've got a treat right we get to start Wait, with can the- i step in real quick george yeah. i don't mean to interrupt no go for yes, it sorry I, I you know who's gonna have to step up with uh grady jared out calais campbell producer jason's favorite player david anyamata <laughs> <laughs> sorry wow. i had to send a story out there all right we can, we can move yeah. on all right we start sunday with the chiefs dolphins <laughs> we end sunday with the bills and Bengals. This is what four of the five best teams in the AFC. We got a treat. Uh, I'm surprised the line has gotten all the way out to three. Uh, Cleve, uh, are you surprised that this number's there? And are you are you tempted by the Bills getting a whole field goal here? Yeah, I'll say I was surprised. I I, I guess the lines usually before they come out, just off the top of my head, I'm usually within let's say within a half a point to a point, like 90% of the time. And I was off by like four points. I thought that bills would be favored just because I know the market respects Buffalo so much. Even last year when these teams were, you know, you know Buffalo was, was good, but wasn't necessarily the, the top of the NFL and Cincinnati was on a hot streak. And with that, the DeMar Hamlin game, I think didn't Buffalo Buffalo closed as the favorite, right? I think they were two and a half or three. And so I thought it would be something similar to that. I thought that Buffalo would be, and they took money throughout the week. I thought it would be like, you know, one and a half to two in favor of Buffalo. And then when I saw Cincinnati favored by two, two and a half, that kind of took me back. So, um, yeah, to me, I you can never get me to take Cincinnati here just after that performance. I think they're a little bit inflated um, just based off of that performance. Uh, but I'm also worried now that, that, as we talked about before, that Burrow and this offense is back to back to where they were season ago so like to me this is prime buffalo teaser candidate uh get me to eight eight and a half i'm not going to worry i don't want to worry about anything else with the spread just give me buffalo lay, getting over a touchdown and a teaser and i'll be happy and i'm not even worried about the side suma how, how do you move forward with the Bengals? do you scrap all the data for offense minus last week but keep all the data for defense just considering there's, there hasn't been a material change is it as simple as that yes and i'm, I'm probably last week you want you you don't want to overreact too much to it because yes they played incredibly well against the 49ers but the way they played was probably more towards even uh, towards an outlier performance even for the Bengals so i mean if you get this performance from the Bengals it, i would argue it, it, it's very hard for any team to beat them because that was like surgical that that was perfect and that's something that defenses no matter which defenses can't really stop so i think last week was great but it will not be the gold standard going forward but i will also scrap everything that went on before and i probably back towards my prior going into the year with a completely healthy joe burrow and the defense i don't have as high as as last year i think that defense is average at best Yes, they have a big Lou, top five DC, who can always make some or a few subtle changes that 
uh, where you can come up with a great game plan. But overall, talent-wise, I, I don't I don't have this defense anywhere close to last year's version. I'm going to tell you how popular Joe Burrow is. Um, if you collect trading cards um, and you understand markets and who people like, and, and that's how the markets are valued by the, the demand for who the players want, Mahomes is the most valuable card you can get of any player, all his rookies, because everyone knows you know, when, when it's all said and done, he's probably going to go down as the greatest of all time. Burrow is number two with a bullet. His cards are worth more than every other quarterback in the league. Uh, the world loves Joe Burrow. He's cool. He's got uh, charisma. There's a, there's an it factor to him. And my God, if if Joe Burrow uh, goes out and smashes the Bills on Sunday night, I promise you the liability for Super Bowls for, for all sports books is going to get out of control by next Monday. Let's look at this Monday's game, Raiders-Lions. Um I guess some of the injuries to watch are David Montgomery, who's out, Jonah Jackson and Frank Ragnow on the Lions O-line, and then Amon Ross St. Brown is ill and he's questionable. Um, one of our friends and somebody I do the show with put out how different his number was on the Vikings versus the market. Uh, I also had an extreme uh, difference in opinion with market in this game. Uh, it's nice to see that the line is down to seven now because I thought getting uh, anything over was a bit outrageous. Um, Suma, how do you look at this game? Where do you begin to even think about placing a bet here? Yeah, first of all, when it comes to the market, I mean, it's it's game day. Limits are high. And there were some very influential, smart people who popped Las Vegas all day and brought this down to seven. So that's something that you have to respect. I think if your number is higher than seven, you might still take Detroit but but it's at least something to take into consideration that uh, a lot of big betters are betting the Raiders today might be some information about um, Amon Ross and Brown he might be limited don't really know but something must be there that people are betting so much money on the Raiders today um, matchup wise I cannot find a lot of arguments as to why the Raiders defense would generate a lot of stops against this um, Lions offense. Um, last week's game, yes, was probably a, a tail outcome for the Raiders defense, but they cannot tackle um, everything outside of 98 is so bad. They cannot tackle in space. They cannot really control the line of scrimmage. Their, their um, secondary struggles at covering. The Lions are a very decent team when it comes to picking up matchup advantages. So I would expect Ben Johnson to come up with, with, with a great game plan on the ground and maybe mirror some of the concepts that the Bears used last week, who had a, I think, 50-plus success rate on the ground against the against this Raiders defense. And this just seems like the dream matchup for this Lions offense, like pound the ball and at some point um, open it up, uh, let Jared Goff cook on play action, um, yeah, then on the other side, I think that the Lions defense is still very overrated. Uh, they were overrated going into last week. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think there was some uncertainty with quarterbacks coming off injury. Mm. He missed some practice. I think he, he, he was limited in his first practice this week. So he missed some time, might be rusty. That's something to consider. But Overall, Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers are not bad this year. So I think there is an avenue for the Raiders to score here. And then it's probably a, a, a matter of um, asking yourself whether you trust the Raiders to keep it close here. 
I think if you somebody who builds numbers and only relies on data, you got two bad backup quarterback games dragging the Raiders data. I also think the Lions data, is, even though it's not good uh, in the secondary, I also think it's skewed by the fact that um, they blew out the Bucks, but Baker Mayfield missed a lot of wide open touchdowns like Trey Palmer and Mike Evans dropped balls. The Chiefs dropped a ton of balls. The two times they played offenses with a pulse, the Seahawks and the Ravens put up a ton of points on them. Cleve, you said the Lions probably should consider trading for a corner. Is that the, the angle? If the Raiders are going to win, it's because they'll be able to have passing success here. Yeah, the Raiders befuddle me on offense because if you just look at just on paper, you know, they've got a good offensive line. I mean, Garoppolo has been pressured, I think, the least of any quarterback in the NFL. They've got Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro. Like, that's as good of a receiving core as you can find through the top three. Um, Michael Mayer has actually uh, been playing well lately as a rookie tight end. Um, so, like, you've got you've got Josh Jacobs back there, but Josh Jacobs has done nothing. He's been stuck in mud. Garoppolo just doesn't, like, just isn't consistent. He's turning the ball over in key spots. And so – you know, they haven't scored more than 19 offensive points in any game this year. Uh, they scored 21 against New England, and we know that 21 came on that safety threat by Mac Jones. So, like, and that was against some bad defenses like Denver, and um, yeah, there are some other teams that they easily could have uh, could have scored against, and, and just Green Bay is another that they just couldn't really open things up. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to, you know, be laying a lot of points against a team like this that can – you know, can score in the back door, et cetera. But to me, like, yeah, I don't know how, um, yeah. So I'm not sure who's going to defend those receivers. If Garoppolo just gets the ball outside, they should be able to score enough to keep up, you know, Detroit on the other side, they're like, yeah, the, the Ben Johnson is going to take advantage of all these bad matchups. You look, the only player on defense that is worth anything for the Raiders is uh, Max Crosby. And you've got maybe the best set of tackles in the NFL um, to slow them down. And, you know, off offensively, like what well, defensively, what the Raiders do is Patrick Graham just keeps everything in front of him, plays very soft. They have allowed the lowest percentage of explosive pass plays in the NFL for a reason, because everything is, is designed to keep underneath and just tackle, which to me sets up for a huge Sam Laporta game. Um, the Raiders are 28th in EPA over the middle of the field. And we know golf loves the middle of the field and he, he targets Laporta the most uh out of any player you look at some of the um you know who who the, the the raiders have faced from a tight end perspective it's the easiest kind of schedule of opposing tight ends when you look at yards per attempt they haven't faced anybody who really would scare you from a tight end perspective outside of you know pat fryermuth is probably the best one and he had 41 yards in that one game against the raiders and i think he's had like 12 combined yards in the three other games so i think this is going to be a monster laporta game i actually laddered his uh uh, his prop uh, yardage totals, if anybody's interested, so you can get some some deep, you know, kind of uh, out of the money alternatives if you're interested. So I think, and they're going to be able to run the ball all over this Raiders defense. They can't stop the run. They got, you know, obviously great offensive line. So I think it's just going to be a dink and dunk fest. It's going to be a lot of swing passes, a lot of short passes to St. Brown and Laporta, or St. Brown if he plays and Laporta. It's going to be, you know, run the ball. So I think it's going to chew some clock. I looked at the total, thinking the over could be interesting, but I just think this is going to be a like this is gonna be a game where golf goes like 25 of 30 for like you know 275 yards, but it's gonna take them like 10, 12 plays to get down the field. So it's gonna eat a lot of clock. There's gonna be very few incompletions. But I also think that uh, there's enough, you know, with uh, the deficiency in in the um, Lions pressure you know, from a pressure perspective and from outside corner, 
And I think that the Raiders could at least at worst get a backdoor situation. So something like, you know, something in the, you know, 26 to 20 range. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't bet either side, but I think that's something that's very viable. Um, so anyway, I just, the, the only way that the Raiders, um, you know, even compete in my opinion is, is um, if they're able to tackle, keep everything in front, maybe cause a turnover. I will say some of the thing with the Raiders and maybe they're why they're taking money. Again, I don't know if it's an information thing, but some of their numbers are just skewed by the fact that they've turned it over. They have the highest EPA lost due to turnovers on offense mm -hmm. And defensively, they're 29th yep. in creating those turnovers. So they've gotten really unlucky from that standpoint. So a lot of their, you know, a lot of their metrics are just purely kind of, you know, um, they just got, they haven't gotten any luck from that perspective. So if the ball bounces their way, maybe it expected to, you know, that's maybe, you know, kind of hidden under some of the other numbers. But um, to me, I'm just banging all over that Laporta, <laughs> Laporta props and hope he has a big day. Otherwise, I don't want uh, really either side here. There's a custom in Greek tradition that when someone is uh, on their deathbed, the priest comes in and he says a prayer and gets them prepared for their next uh, resting place. So for those of you who have left your survivor pick up to the Detroit Lions, uh, start brushing up on your Hail Mary prayer because this might be the end of your survivor season. Uh, Uma, please. <laughs> he called it outright. He called it outright. I, I, outright I, I, I say that jokingly, but uh, I, I like the, I, my, my numbers still have value at seven. I don't know what to do. I'm either too low on the Lions or too high on the Raiders or a combination of both. Uh, you know, George, yeah. real quick, you know what the problem, too, is Detroit just outplays every they, – they outplay their numbers at home by such a substantial amount that I don't know if the market could fully capture it. They just – I mean, they've scored over uh, – scored at least 25 points in, like, I think it was like 14 of their last 16 home games. Like they just, their offense on the turf is just incredible. So I don't know if the market always captures it because the splits are just so gigantic. Um, but so maybe that's what, you know, from a number standpoint, I don't know if that affects your, your numbers at all, but that's something I've noticed is just, they play really, they play so much better at home. It's been going on for almost two years now that, uh, you know, when you model this stuff out, you get full, full season numbers that in, include the, the road splits. And so maybe that drags it down a little bit. That's the only, um, you know, from a numbers perspective, that would scare me. Lions. Yeah. Yes. Lions since the start of last season, 32.6 points per game at home. The only time they stayed below 20 was against the Packers in that 15 to nine affair where I think Rodgers had these two or three red zone interceptions. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So we're going to need 35 points from the Raiders tonight is what you're telling me soon. <laughs> just throw it up to Adams. Just throw it up. One-on-one. Adams. Time to win some fantasy owners of the week. You know, three touchdown <laughs> performance incoming. Uh, Suma Cleve, this was really entertaining today. Thanks so much, man. Yes. Absolutely. We are going to root for your Raiders pick because I don't have any skin in the game. And I will watch the game tomorrow morning with my coffee and uh, I, I'm going to root for you. Suma, are and you I had the Bills in Survivor already as a winner, so I do want them to lose. I, I had the Chargers, so I also uh, in, am invested from that point. Suma, are you going to be cheering the Dolphins or Chiefs, or, or are you going to are you going to go with the Rob Lowe NFL hat when uh, at the game? <laughs> Is he going? That's the question. I don't even know how how far away are you from there. Um, I am away. I think about two two and a half hours, and I was very fortunate because uh, George is the absolute goat and um, gave me two tickets for the game 
And now I'm rooting for my wife to get the baby very early so I can uh, go to the game because um, if the baby is not going to come out before the game, I will have a hard sell of uh, going there. What did uh, Sean McVay say? Uh, my baby knows that football's on Sunday and it, it's, there's no way it's arriving on Sunday. Uh, it looks like Justin Fields' uh, injury, he may not go and the market might be moving on New Orleans and getting over the seven. Some information before we go out the door. We'll be back again tomorrow at two o'clock with myself and Sharp Clark to break down some film, recap the Monday Nighter and give you the first Thursday night preview. You won't want to miss it. Please like before you leave the stream, that's it for me. Thanks to Suma. Thanks to Cleve T8. Thanks to producer Jason. And thanks to you, the audience. Until next time.